millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Let's start out by thanking our Patreon contributors from this past week. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. And this week we had Lena, A-Bombs, Angel, Orla, Leah, Tyler, Sarah, Meg, Marcy, Emily, Amanda, Marissa, Catherine, Olivia, Kathy, Mauricio, Hope, Ruth, Adriana, Kyle, Andrea, and Kate. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. Well, Desi... We're back again with another <laughs> 1920s crime from Los Angeles. Just when you think she's run out, folks, <laughs> she finds another. <laughs> Desi, I got hundreds and hundreds of 1920s crimes from Los Angeles. I, the thing that's always shocking is that they'll often have a book. Like, not only are they things I've never heard of, they even have a book about them. <laughs> you know what? People... We're going nuts in the 20s. Apparently. Committing all kinds of crimes across Los they Angeles. They moved to the big city, <laughs> lost their fucking minds, <laughs> and started killing anyone who wronged them. Now, this crime also involves another one of my favorite subjects to talk about, a bad doctor. Ooh. Now, we've done a lot of bad doctor crimes. Yeah. Dirty John. <laughs> Wait, was he a... Do- oh, he pretended. He was a pretending... I like right. pretend doctors. I mean, I don't like them, but right. I'm always like, how do you have the nerve? <laughs> right. Like, how do you have the confidence? That's like next level yeah. to pretend to do that. Like, I, I would. I would... I can't harm anybody. Like, do you know what I mean? I would my- <laughs> I don't even have the confidence to lie to someone at a party. I would definitely start laughing the minute I said anything doctor-like. Right. <laughs> Stat. (laughs) Wink. (laughs) All right. Now, my sources for this were a lot of old newspaper articles, as well as um, a blog that I love called Deranged LA Crimes. Oh, I like that blog, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I largely piece the story together with old newspaper articles. Ooh. February 21st, 1925, was the last time that anyone had seen Mrs. Grace Young. Her husband, a dentist named Thomas Young, said that they had been out dining at Fatty Arbuckle's Plantation Grill in Culver City the night of the 21st. Ooh. I believe we talked about this grill. I think it got mentioned briefly. That sounds good. His grill? Yeah, I want to eat at Fatty's Grill. (laughs) (laughs) You know his food was good, probably. I'm I'm sure he liked to eat. Yeah. So... They were out dining at Fatty Arbuckle's dining establishment in Culver City, and they got into an argument, apparently over him flirting with another woman. Thomas said that they drove to the Biltmore Hotel downtown to go dancing after this dinner. She told her husband to wait for her while she used the bathroom. According to Thomas, two hours passed, and his wife, Grace, still hadn't come out of the bathroom. (sighs) So he went home. 
What? Look, they ate a lot at Fatty's. <laughs> oh, right. They weren't staying there. Uh, but still, to leave your wife is crazy. Well, they went there to go dancing. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, I I forgot that they weren't staying there. So then it seemed weird right, that he right. left. He's like, fine. She's not coming out of the bathroom. I guess I'll just Why leave. would you just leave someone downtown that there's not even Ubers <laughs> back then? Like, how is she going to get home? <laughs> well, look, this is all according to Thomas. Okay. She's been missing and he's saying what, right. what went down. Now, he goes home and he hadn't seen her since. At the time of her disappearance, Grace was said to have been carrying over $100,000 of Liberty bonds on her. What? Yes. <laughs> Why? That's what Thomas said. Okay, okay. So we're getting Thomas's This side is of the what story. Thomas Grace is missing, Thomas is spilling the tea. Okay. Here's what happened. He also said that she was wearing $30,000 worth of jewelry. Okay. Grace was a wealthy socialite after all. Okay. So it wasn't totally unusual. The, the jewels make sense, right? Yeah. The bonds? I don't know. Do you walk around with bonds? Can you even <laughs> use them to pay for things? I have no idea why one would walk around with $100,000 of Liberty bonds. Yeah. Grace was born Grace Hunt, 1883, in Ohio to Frank and Mary Hunt. When she was just 17, she had moved to Los Angeles and married 41-year-old Charles Grogan, a.k.a. the Olive King. Ooh. This guy was the king of, of olives. Of olives. <laughs> like olive oil? Or? He manufactured olive oil. He owned several olive orchards. Yeah, And was like literally the Olive King of California. I love it. Now, Charles was the head of Grogan's Olive Oil. Like I said, he ran several olive ranches. And Charles and Grace had a son together named Patrick. The couple divorced around 1920, but remained amicable. Charles Grogan died the following year in 1921 at the age of 60, leaving Grace the executor of their son's large estate. Ooh. So now the son has left this huge Damn, she almost got it all. <laughs> Charles had left everything to his son. It was well over a million dollars. Wow. And this is 1920 yeah. money. But Grace was still taken care of very well financially yeah. with the trust fund that her former husband had left her when they divorced. Grace met Dr. Thomas Young sometime in 1923. At the time, she was living alone with her 16-year-old son in a building owned by her deceased husband. Grace and Thomas had a very short courtship before marrying just two months later. Grace's family barely even knew this guy. She didn't. Barely she, know. She, barely, <laughs> she barely knew Thomas. I guess he swept her off her feet. Grace's Aunt Clara told the Los Angeles Evening Post, quote, Grace has been away to, had been away to the beach for three days. When she came back, she told us of her marriage. Oh. So it was one of those things yeah. where it was like, uh... You're married? We just found out about him. Like, right. We yeah. did, don't even know this guy. We were thunderstruck because we had never thought of her getting married again. During the course of her marriage to Thomas, Grace had confided to her family about divorcing him as they argued a lot. Grace had apparently said once, quote, There is nothing Dr. Young wouldn't do if I tried to get a divorce. Now, Thomas Young was originally from Franklin, Pennsylvania. His father was a minister at the Methodist Church, 
And later, he would go on to become the chaplain at the Ohio State Penitentiary, giving the last rites to men about to be hanged. (gasps) Thomas's older brother, Alexander, was a veteran of the Spanish-American War as well as a lawyer, but he also dabbled in church stuff. He lived in South Dakota for a time where he was a reverend at the Presbyterian Church. In those days, I think anyone could do it. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't that sound like, like a... Like a, what's that channel where it's kind of Christian, PAX? Oh, yeah. Like this would be a PAX show? Yeah, yeah in South, the, the South Dakota Hills. <laughs> but like the, the big city lawyer comes down from Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's totally, you could hear the pitch. Like, and, and now he's a reverend. PAX, I Tr- forgot about PAX. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have cable, so I never see those channels anymore. Right. But yeah, you'd like click on something, you're like, what is this, Highway to Heaven? <laughs> And you'd start watching for 15 minutes. Because they're like almost real shows. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. So he's living in South Dakota. He's a reverend. This is where he met his future wife, Grace Dunlap, who was a school teacher. Now, Alexander Young was already married at the time, but he promised her he would divorce soon. Eventually, he procured some divorce papers, but it was suspected that they were falsified. Well, I mean, you can't just have some divorce papers. <laughs> like, where do you get them? <laughs> I'm divorced. He's like, oh, I just happen to have some in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Let's, let's move on along. <laughs> Alexander and Grace both left South Dakota. Grace first went home to Nebraska to see an eye doctor. Uh, maybe it was to get a better look at those divorce papers. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> These look like forgeries. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually they ended up in Pennsylvania. At some point during their travels, they were married. In July of 1903, they checked into a hotel named the Hotel Siegel in Pennsylvania in the town of Washington. During their stay, Alexander Young shot his new bride in the chest, (gasps) killing her before turning the gun on himself. Grace was 24 and Alexander was 37. What? So this is Dr. Thomas Young's brother. Okay. This is all happening in 1903. The bodies were found the following day at around noon by the hotel staff. Alexander was still clutching the 32 caliber revolver in his hand. The hotel's waitress told police that she had heard a fight break out in their room the night before, a fight that included profanity, she told the police. (gasps) A few weeks later, it came out that Alexander had still been legally married to a woman from Minnesota named Catherine and that they had a child together. (gasps) The divorce papers. Those were fake, Desi. I'm telling you. But Alexander Young wasn't the only Young that had secret wives. Okay. His brother, Dr. Thomas Young, he's been a bad boy. (laughs) In 1917, Thomas Young was arraigned on bigamy charges. His wife, Pearl, charged that he was already married. Back in 1915, Thomas had married a woman named Inez, who apparently knew Pearl, this new (laughs) woman he's trying to marry. They were either friends or relatives. Okay. But they knew each other. Thomas pled not guilty, and the case wound up being dismissed. But that wasn't the end. After this, a woman named Catherine filed a divorce suit. 
Thomas had married her in Philadelphia in 1905, but never divorced her. Just four years after they had married, he up and left. Catherine introduced letters that Thomas had written her when he left her in this divorce suit. In the letter, he cited his physical and mental problems for leaving her and that he'd been thinking about doing this for the last month. I feel like this time period, people were real loose with divorce rules. <laughs> Like, it seems like a lot of people are like, I'll just move. (laughs) Like, it wasn't a thing or something. Like, I mean, I feel like this is obviously not the only time we've talked about, especially in these old cases where there's like, there's so much bigamy happening. Right. Even accidentally. Yeah. Sometimes like, oh, that never was official. Oh, well. Right. (laughs) Like, it's just like crazy. Thomas said in this letter, this breakup letter that he left his wife, that he was going out west for a change of scenery. Yeah. It's like, I got to sow my wild oats, babe. Get married again a few times. (laughs) Get married a few times. Now, Thomas was able to get an annulment from his marriage to Inez because he was still married at the time of their marriage. Now, Grace Grogan would be wife number three. Damn. Or number four. I think she, yeah. Oh, yeah, four, because there was Catherine, Pearl, and Inez. So Grace Grogan, wife yeah. number four. Now, Dr. Thomas Young, he knew how to woo the ladies, Ooh. obviously. Yeah. He told them what they wanted to hear. According to Grace's father, quote, he told her of owning great producing oil fields in Texas. He told her that he had one of the richest dentist practices in the city, and she believed it. <gasps> So this was a common thing he did. He would tell these women that he was dating. I'm this very wealthy man. Right. I have a very successful dental business. And while he was a dentist, he's just average. He's just your dent. He's just a regular dentist. Yeah, he wasn't like you know pulling in dentist to the stars. Dentist to the stars <laughs> cash yeah. maybe. And he didn't have oil fields certainly. Yeah. Mr. Hunt continued stating that quote. He rushed the marriage through. He took her to a fine office building and showed her an elaborate suite of (sighs) dental offices, one of the finest in the city. (gasps) Then, one month later, he closed it because he couldn't pay the rent. So he bought this dental, or he rented this really nice, fancy dental place and was like, this is where I work. Here's this fine building I work at. (laughs) (laughs) The finest in town. (laughs) But he couldn't keep it. Right. He had That's to shut so it down. Because he knew she was rich. Yeah, he was hoping he'd like, well, I'll figure out a way yeah. to pay the rent. Yeah. Grace's father also recalled the time at Christmas time when Thomas didn't even have an overcoat. <gasps> wow. This guy's noticing things. <laughs> He's like, I, wait a minute. I thought you had money. Oh, you don't have a winter coat? Hmm. <laughs> In, not even for Los Angeles? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not that unusual to not have a winter coat in Los Angeles. But I guess in the 20s, people wore a lot of layers. They liked overcoats, They right? did. <laughs> like, people like were... I have, I have winter coats because I'm from New York, so I have a ton of winter coats that I never wear. Right. Because I don't really have an opportunity. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It is. I have a big coat that back when we used to travel places. Oh, right. I have my big coat that I take with me to Philadelphia, Every Thanksgiving to see my grandma. Yeah. But I can't wear that coat here. No, you never need it. It's a shame. It's a beautiful coat. Absolutely. Now, the marriage between Thomas and Grace, like I said, not good. Thomas had threatened to ruin Grace if she ever left him. Grace confided this to her father. She told him that he had the means to blackmail her. 
photos that he had taken of her that he threatened to show to all his friends <gasps> if she left him. What? Grace said to her dad, quote, he made me assume certain poses. I believed he would kill me if I didn't, and I didn't know he had a camera in the room. <gasps> Ew, revenge porn. He was the first revenge porn. Thomas was doing revenge porn. And did she say what the positions were? No, Desi. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just for thorough Well, sake. she was also telling this to her dad. <laughs> Can you imagine that conversation? I mean, your dad maybe. I would never tell my dad that. <laughs> I mean, but he wouldn't be like offended or anything. No, my dad would not be offended, but I would never. I would love to know because it's a, is it like our level of bad or is it 1920s <laughs> bad? Like, like ankle? Or or just like um, bending over and looking over your shoulder so your ass is showing or something. Right. And I don't it's know. probably not as bad as everything I see in my timeline 24-7 on Twitter. Right. <laughs> I, I meant to say something to Felicia because she retweeted something the other day and it was like 10 a.m. and this girl was like <laughs> fingering herself up. I was like, Felicia, <laughs> must you? <laughs> Sometimes it's just so funny to see that stuff like right when you wake up and you're having your coffee. <laughs> Honestly, with all the horrible news that you see on Twitter 24-7, I'm like so relieved when I see, when I'll scroll past and there's Felicia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no, what? it's definitely like a, a funny moment, but it's just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like out of nowhere. It's so funny. Yeah, it's a, it's such a nice breakup to the timeline for Absolutely. sure. For so sure. I'm wondering, like, we have a very high level yeah. of what we consider or what's like whatever. So back then, I'm sure just the most, remember like the woman on the swing, like just glimpsing her like through the ruffles was right. enough to be like titillating. Right. Uh, so I'm curious about these pics. Right. Who knows? Also, did he have one of those big cameras where you hold the bowl? Well, okay. <laughs> this is, squeeze it? This is what I'm wondering. She must have known there was a camera in the room as soon as that thing went off. Because those things made a big poof. That's what I was thinking. Like, those cameras back then, they weren't like you hide them and they click on their own. No. You had to squeeze that perfume thing. (laughs) (laughs) And powder came out. powder came up. It was really loud. Yeah. And then you have to change the plates. Yeah. (laughs) I know how vintage photography works. It's complicated. I'm just saying, that is a tough camera to smuggle. I think so. So I just wanted more details. <laughs> I just imagine her bent over and then and then it's like, yeah. And she's like, what was that poof? Yeah. Or what are you holding? Because <laughs> you had to squeeze that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know how he did it. There must have been some cord he hit or something. Who knows? <sighs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. January of 1925, less than a month before Grace went missing, Thomas performed dental work on her son, Patrick. Now, the dental work was minor. It was a routine operation, but it went horribly wrong. Oh, my God. This was just a teeth filling. Oh, damn. 18-year-old Patrick became incredibly ill. His face swelled up, and he was riddled with horrible pain all throughout his body. 
For the next three weeks, his condition worsened and he lost a considerable amount of weight. It was clear that he was going to (gasps) die. Grace's father told his daughter that he believed Thomas had poisoned her son. Grace could not even go there in her mind. She refused to believe that. She's like, that. no, he would not do that. But Mr. Hunt convinced his daughter to let him take her son to to a doctor, to another doctor, like not the dentist, Dr. Young. And Patrick ended up making a full recovery. Damn. So as soon as he was in the care of this other doctor, he recovered. It wasn't until March of 1925, after Grace had been missing for a few weeks, that Mr. Hunt was even made aware of his daughter's disappearance. (gasps) Shit. He called the police. The next day, Thomas expressed his concerns, too, over his wife's disappearance, and he hired a private investigator. A few weeks later. He's like, oh, yes, yes, I'm very concerned. Hello, 911. (laughs) Like, he just reports it. Well, after the the dad was like, wait a minute. She's missing? We better call the police. Like, yeah. That's so crazy to me. So Thomas Young, he hired his own private investigator while the dad called the police. Thomas assured Grace's son, Patrick, that his mother would return, and in an attempt to keep his mind off of her disappearance, he threw Patrick wild parties at their home on 692 South Kingsley Drive. Damn. It's like, we'll have a party again. Yeah. Fuck now, your mom. <laughs> these were very fun parties. It sounded like Patrick was allowed to dance with hot older chicks. Ooh. Wait, where do they live? Do we know? This is Koreatown. Oh, Koreatown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is on Kingsley Drive. And so, but they were whooping it up and Patrick is slowly becoming closer with his stepfather during this time. Okay. Because he's like the fun stepdad. They're bonding. They're drinking and partying together and mom's out of town and she'll be back eventually. According to John Saunders, who was their housekeeper, he said a week after Grace disappeared, Thomas produced letters, which he said were from Grace, and he showed them to him and Patrick so they wouldn't be worried. Oh. So he's like, here, I have Grace sent some letters. (laughs) Come come around. Everybody listen. Everybody listen to these letters. John had nothing but nice things to say about Grace, but he said that Thomas was a weirdo. Not those exact words. Right. But he was like, the dude's weird. But like 1920s words. He said queer. Oh. Okay. Well, <laughs> everyone, and that was what you said for weird. But he's like, he was a queer dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't say a lot at the dinner table, and he was just like weird. He recalled Thomas's assistant, a woman named Dorothy Leopold, coming over a lot. John said, quote, on two occasions, I know positively she stayed all night. Ooh. Good, Dorothy. <laughs> now, it wasn't Thomas that was allegedly fucking Dorothy. It was Patrick. Oh. The dental assistant. Young Patrick oh. was allegedly fucking Dorothy. Damn. According to John Saunders, okay. the housekeeper, he said, quote, Patrick and she used to love one another all the time, and he would caress her and pet her, and she would do the same to him. Why do I just picture John furiously masturbating to me? <laughs> They're loving on each other again and petting each other. <laughs> Patrick would later tell the police that Thomas instructed him to call Dorothy mother. Oh. I guess he didn't know that his son was fucking Dorothy. That's getting kinky. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy. 
<laughs> and Dorothy confirmed this. She's like, yeah, he was made to call me mom. That's so weird. Like, why did Thomas even do that? I don't know. Yeah. I think he was just trying to have Patrick not ask any questions. But yeah, if he's calling someone else mom, he'll forget about his mom. <laughs> Right. Meanwhile, he's like legally an adult. He's like 18 yeah, years old. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. I forgot about that aspect. He's not like he's like three. <laughs> oh my God. This is crazy. He is a queer guy. <laughs> now, Mr. Hunt believed that Thomas murdered his daughter for her money and that he had tried to kill the son first. Since that plan had failed, he believed that he was trying to ingratiate himself with Patrick so that he could gain control of his fortune. Oh, right. In May of 1925, Mr. Hunt filed to become a legal guardian of his grandson and his fortune. He's like, I want to be the guardian and be the executor of the will. Oh. Because my daughter's missing. She's probably murdered. And I don't want my grandson to be bamboozled by this guy. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. He's so trying it's like a Britney. He's almost. trying to protect he's trying to protect his son or his grandson yeah. at this point. So Patrick was so won over by Dr. Young at this point that he filed for an attorney to be his guardian instead of his grandfather. Ooh, so he's siding against his grandfather. He sided against his grandfather at this point. He's like, no, Dr. Young, my stepdad, he has my best interests at heart. Yeah. We're best friends. Yeah. We like, like to party. <laughs> <laughs> On June 13th, the district attorney's office began their search for the body of Grace Grogan Young, and Dr. Thomas Young was brought in for questioning. So of course. this is like months after the disappearance. Yeah. And even months after police were first made aware of this, yeah. they're finally like, we're going to do some actual digging okay. and to locate this woman. District Attorney Asa Keys, he said, quote, I am thoroughly of the opinion that Mrs. Young was slain for her money. We will start digging at once for the body. When this has been found, there will be some arrests. Thomas was released from custody, but placed under surveillance at a hotel downtown. Patrick was being surveilled by detectives at their home on Kingsley Drive. And a crew of men headed to the Young house on Kingsley with their shovels and began looking for Grace in the yard. Oh. Now, another crew of men went to a cabin in Beverly Glen that Grace owned. So there's two digging crews happening at this point. The location of this cabin was just a half mile away from the site of another murder that we covered in our Madeline Obenchain episode. Oh. So this Beverly Glen cabin might have been the same area as an additional murder that we recently talked about, the Winnie Ruth Judd. Right. Remember the brother yeah. had a I guess there were there were a lot of cabins in Beverly Glen. I guess. A I don't popular know exactly. place for a cabin in <laughs> the East Times. Yeah. So Look, also popular burial site. Absolutely. While the men dug around the property in Beverly Glen, police interviewed neighbors. Two 12-year-old boys said that one night during the third week of February, they saw a man pull up to the cabin and unload a big heavy box out of his car. They said the man moved the box to the cabin. When he returned to the car, he retrieved a gunny sack that was full of something and dragged that to the cabin. They said the whole time he was seen they saw this guy looking around, checking to see if people could see him. Sounds suspicious. They said, <laughs> these boys were like, this man looked very suspicious. Mm -hmm. They said that they later went back 
to poke around the cabin when the man was gone and they saw a sack filled with lime and also a sack filled with something that smelled bad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Near the cabin was a water well that supplied water to all the cabins in the area. A few weeks prior to the search of the property, a concrete slab was poured over this well, <laughs> sealing it off. Okay. This was a, the well that multiple homes used. Yeah. A few months before that, the water had started to smell bad and looked funny. Hmm. According to a neighbor, quote, the water never began to smell until a few months ago. Now we cannot use it, not even for shower baths or for dishwashing. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Shower baths. I, I was gonna say I don't know if there was look, when I'm reading these old newspapers, I'm reading actual like photocopies of the right, papers. Right. So sometimes I don't know if that was a missing comma or if they just called them shower baths. <laughs> I don't know. Right. If there was supposed to be a comma there or not. Okay. So but anyway, needless to say, they could not bathe. This yeah. water was that disgusting. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't even wash their dishes in it. The neighbor continued, it is a slightly discolored, it is slightly discolored and when drawn, a yellowish smelling sediment settles in it. <laughs> so it's nasty. This is reminding me of like the Elisa lamb. Yes. Where the water was like disgusting. Right? Very much so. We have no idea what caused this sudden change in the water. Deputy Sheriff Sprankling said that the water would be taken to a chemist. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I tried really hard. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know why that struck me as so funny. Okay. Dude, there's also a detective bean in this story. <laughs> Thank you for the warning. I don't think I mentioned him in my writing, but like, because there's a lot of like guy, like different officers. But there was definitely a sheriff bean or something. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, so Deputy Sheriff Sprankling, he said that he was taking the water down to a chemist to be tested. Next, detectives would search a concrete cistern which was located in the cellar of the young cabin. Now, a cistern is basically a water tank. Okay. There, inside the cistern, they uncovered the body of Grace Young. Why are you laughing? This is morbid. I'm sorry, I can't recover. (laughs) From sprinkling? Yeah. Okay, I got it. I've got it. I'm so sorry. We're going to try it again. Let's go. I'm not even taking that out. We're going to try it again. There inside the cistern, inside the cellar, they uncovered the body of Grace Young. (gasps) She had been encased in cement. Thomas confessed once they found the body. He confessed to murdering Grace, but he said he couldn't remember how he did it and that he was temporarily insane. Oh, yeah. I just remembered I was temporarily insane. But I don't know how I did it. Oh, my God. He was escorted to the Beverly Glen cabin by a deputy district attorney and the lead investigator. Then he was taken to the funeral home to view the body. He broke down upon seeing his wife's decomposing corpse. It was 2.30 in the morning when Thomas made his full confession at the funeral home about how he killed her. 
he was like, all right, I'll just... Yeah. Once he saw the corpse... He, he just let it all out. He let it all out. Thomas told the deputy district attorney and the lead investigator that on Saturday night, February 21st, him and Grace dined at the Plantation Grill. After dinner, they stopped at his office and got drunk. Thomas apparently kept a bottle of good whiskey there. Okay. While they were at the office getting drunk, Thomas pocketed a bottle of somniform. Now, somniform is dental anesthesia. Okay. It's like they don't do use it anymore. They stopped using it by the late 20s. So you know this shit was strong. Right. <laughs> this was like straight up ether mixed yeah. with other shit. Like it was, it would fuck you up. Yeah. Uh, so he pockets a bottle of this. Grace drunkenly fell asleep in the car as Trump, Thomas drove them to the cabin. <gasps> he parked and administered the som- somniform while she was wasted, fallen asleep. Then he waited for her to stop breathing. <gasps> That's how much he gave to her. Oh, my God. Then he loaded her into a wheelbarrow and rolled her down into the cellar. After she was in the cellar, he stuffed her nose with cotton and put a rubber bag in her mouth just to make sure. Ugh, that's so awful. They, when they were interviewing him, they were like, and what about the rubber glove we found in your mouth? And he was like, actually, it was a bag. Ugh, <laughs> he's so gross. He's disgusting. Before dumping the body into the concrete cistern, Thomas made sure to take the cash and jewelry that Grace had on her. He gave a diamond ring to his assistant, Dorothy. <gasps> Ew. He, w- they, he apparently was like, oh, this was just left around the office. Here you go. Yeah. Here's a diamond ring. And Dorothy was like, oh, cool. I found it in the treasure chest. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, the dentist? Oh, my God. Did you have that, too? Yeah, we get to pick the toy. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. Uh, was he in love with Dorothy? No, no, I don't think so. Thomas left the body there and returned home to Kingsley Drive, where he spent the next day with Patrick. At this point in the interview, the deputy DA asked Thomas why he did it. And he said, quote, because she hit me in the face. (sighs) According to him, Grace had slapped him after they had left the plantation grill. Because remember, he had allegedly flirted with somebody. Right, right, right. So that he then he started planning getting the um, anesthesia at the dentist. Like, look, this yeah. doesn't add up, Desi. Yeah. Okay, this is clearly something because that seems like you might kill her in a fit of rage in that moment, right? But you're not going to plot this whole thing out. No, but this is what he said. This okay. was his reasoning because she slapped me. Okay. On Monday night. Thomas returned to the cabin, this time bringing Patrick with him. (gasps) Now, Grace is still in the cellar. Yeah. Her body is. He's just left it. He brings Patrick with him to the cabin. Thomas told his stepson that he needed help with like a home improvement project, basically. Yeah. He's trying to fix the floor of the cistern and he needs some help mixing concrete. Oh, my God. So he employs his stepson to mix concrete to pour over Grace's body inside the cistern. That's and, fucked. And encase her. Patrick, meanwhile, no idea. Ugh. He has no clue what he's, what he's doing this yeah. for. He's just helping a stepdad with a home improvement project. Thomas said that he thought it would be funny to have Grace's son bury her. 
Thomas's confession went on until 6 a.m., after which he was taken promptly to jail. After the confession, when Patrick learned that he had been tasked with burying his own mother unwittingly, he was obviously disgusted Mm. and horrified and betrayed and all these things. This is a quote from Patrick. He said, quote, I was completely deceived. He always seemed so good to me, and it seemed as if everything he did for me was for my interests. Obviously, Thomas Young was only looking out for himself, specifically how he would get his hands on the Grogan fortune. Yeah. Dr. Young had successfully convinced Patrick to sign over part of his inheritance from the Grogan estate. (gasps) That's how much he'd sort of like... Ingratiated himself. Ingratiated himself with this kid. Patrick was convinced by this point that he would have been murdered next by Dr. Yeah. Young, even though he supposedly did try to murder him already right. with the dental work he yeah. did. Grace's other family members believe that they were next as well and that it was Thomas Young's plan to pick off members of this family so no one could contest him having access to this fortune. Oh, okay. And that they believed that they would all be buried and like disposed of in this cistern. He's like, that's where he's going to store us, Yeah, is in this big tank. Dorothy Leopold, the dental assistant, told police that she also believed Patrick was poisoned by Thomas back when he did the dental work. She said that she had seen Dr. Young take samples from poison infection cases, and she believed that he injected Patrick with this bacteria that was taken from someone else's mouth, I guess. Yeah. And injected it into Patrick. People would die of tooth infections in those days too, right? Like, Yeah. So like he would take these germs. He took these germs apparently. This is what Dorothy hypothesizes, that he took these germs from other patients and injected them into Patrick. So then Patrick got some huge infection. Yeah. Yeah. That's disgusting, right? Yeah. Dorothy also said that she had been to parties at the cabin with Dr. Young and that they had danced on top of the concrete-filled <gasps> cistern. Ew. And she had no idea. Oh, my God. That they're dancing on top of his wife's body. That's so crazy. Also, they had another home. Like, seriously. Like, I think this guy was just like, I, he got, was I got away with it. Yeah. He probably really is. I mean, if he, if he was into the he fact. He was into the danger of it, probably. And like his stepson helping bury the mom. Yeah, he got a sick thrill. Totally. When Dr. Young had hired that private investigator to feign worry over his oh, wife's yeah. disappearance, he gave a photostatic copy of a piece of a letter that he said his wife had sent to him from Denver. In reality, Thomas had taken a letter that Grace had written to her son, Patrick. Oh. Like it was a totally different. It was one it of those. to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In addition to this, before she was killed, Thomas Young got Grace drunk and convinced her to write him two letters. <gasps> These were the letters that Dr. Young would show to Patrick to convince him that she was alive and well and would return eventually. Oh. So he must have got her so shit-faced. So he's planning this for a long time. Yes. Yes. Dr. Young took the letters that Grace had written, mailed them to a friend in New York, who then mailed them back to Los Angeles so it looked believable. Right. So it looked like, oh, these letters are being mailed. They're coming to the house. Inside one of the letters was the deed to the cabin in Beverly Glen. Oh. Thomas had stolen this from Grace's safety deposit box. (gasps) This guy's 
horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like on top of all of this, Dr. Young was under suspicion for the death of one of his patients, a guy <gasps> named Elmer Millette. During a tooth extraction, Thomas Young accidentally dropped a molar down this guy's throat. What? <laughs> Dude, this is insane. This is insane. He's doing a tooth extraction. He drops a molar down this guy's throat and it lodges into his lung. What? And then Dr. Young doesn't say anything. He's like, whoops. He doesn't say I dropped a molar down. I dropped your tooth. Holy shit. He just doesn't say anything. That's crazy. Yeah. So then this guy, Elmer, he gets real sick. Like he uh, returns to the office and is like, I have really bad chest pain and I can't stop coughing. I'm trying to think how a molar even falls down to that pipe. Like it goes down the wrong pipe, but like. I guess because his mouth was so open. He's just like. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. And he doesn't say anything. No. So this probably could have been helped if he had said something, but right. then he got infected. Right. Yeah. So when they did the x-ray on this guy after he was dead, they're like, there's a fucking molar in his lungs. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, during this guy's operation, like when he was doing one, he was dropping the molar in <laughs> the laughing gas wore off, like in the <gasps> middle of the operation. So this guy like came to while he was still being oh operated God. on. This guy doesn't sound like a very good dentist. No. Um, so yeah. District attorney keys announced that he had evidence that Dr. Young was responsible for two deaths in addition to his wife. And that one of these deaths involved an overdose of somniform. Oh, so he's like, he's used this before. Right. He, he did a practice run on one How of his is patients. That, um, administered. Is it's it like shot? a liquid gas. Okay, so I it's guess like a it, gas. Yeah. So when he gave it to his wife, it was because she was drunk and she was sort of unconscious and he yes. gave it to her. Oh, got it. He got her really drunk first. Keyes asserted that a witness had come forward claiming Thomas had bragged about having the power to kill people with his gas. <laughs> Sorry. That's like every guy. <laughs> That sounds like a bumper, like a t-shirt a guy would have or something like <laughs> license to kill with my gas. <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. Well, <laughs> he bragged about it. Okay. I mean, the trial began August of 1925 and Dr. Thomas Young pled insanity. The state had a surprise witness planned. The woman who was at the plantation grill, who Thomas was alleged to have flirted Ooh, with. That's a good guess. Isn't that a good guess? Yeah. I hope she entered the courtroom very dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Howard, a guy named Dr. Howard Bowles of Long Beach testified that Dr. Young had offered to pay him money to lie to the judge in the guardianship case that he had seen Grace Young alive. Oh. So he asked this doctor friend of his, like, right. can you come to this, like, will guardianship thingy yeah. I got going on later? Just say this. And say that you saw yeah. my wife alive. She just left me. Okay. Um, Dr. Bowles refused, but that didn't stop Dr. Young from attempting to involve him in his schemes. He's like, well, I'll use his name for something <laughs> else later. <laughs> the surprise witness 
the woman from the plantation grill, her name was Nina Carson. She got up on the stand and testified that Thomas asked her to testify on his behalf that Dr. Bowles had seen his wife alive and well. (laughs) So not even... Not changing the plan. (laughs) He's not changing the story. He's just changing the vehicle to tell the story. Will you say that, Dr. Bowles? (laughs) That's so wild. Why couldn't he just say, I saw Also, why does he know this woman now where he's scheming, like, getting her involved? Did they, like, exchange numbers that night? Apparently, no. I don't even think that there was a woman at the plantation grill. Oh, so she might have been invented, too. Yeah, I think this whole story at the Plantation Grill was invented. Like, they actually went there for dinner, but I don't think there was any flirtation I that, see, that happened. I see, he's saying it after the fact. Yes. Yeah, got it. He just happened to know this woman for the last four years. Okay. He knew this chick. I don't know if he was banging her at some point, yeah. but he knew her. Now, uh, Nina Carson, the, the, the woman... She said, quote, Dr. Young told me he would give me $500 to tell the story in court after he sued Mrs. Young's father. I talked it over with my husband, and he told me that he would not let me take part in that. (laughs) Good husband. No. No. (laughs) Not 500 is not that much money to commit perjury. Come on. Another surprise witness for the state was a man named George Guggenheim, who testified that Thomas Young had asked him to mail the letters from New York. That's who was mailing the letters. Oh. Imagine mailing that for somebody and like they have to uh like they don't ask a question. Right. Like I would be like, What what are you doing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing good about this. No, and the story that Dr. Young gave him was so stupid. Like, genuinely, he was like, I need to test something. Like, it was like, I need to... Yeah. He said he was, like, playing a prank on somebody. Yeah, I mean, it's just very suspicious behavior. It was not a good lie, but Guggenheim, I guess, went along with it, like, four separate times. Well, I think a lot of the things with this type of stuff is that... You never think the worst case scenario about someone who's like, if you asked me to do it, I'd be like, okay. Right. <laughs> like, I wouldn't think you were murdering someone. Well, maybe yeah. I would with you <laughs> just because we talk about it all the time. But it's like, not your first go to. Right. I think. Yeah. Exactly. So things were not looking good for Thomas no. at this point. But he's not even, he's saying he did it. He's just pleading insanity, right? Right. But the defense or but the state is like, uh, you planned this for months. I see. Yeah, this yeah, was yeah. not. A they sp- want to establish that he planned it for a long time. Yes, and it wasn't like a snap that night, and that he was doing this because he was after the money. Right. Just about a week after this trial began, Doctor Thomas Young was found hanged in his cell. <gasps> he had fashioned a noose out of electrical wire from a radio. He killed himself sometime early in the morning. The night before, he said to some fellow prisoners, Good night, boys. I am going to take a little ride in the morning. (laughs) Jesus. Right? Uh, He also told the guys not to be alarmed if they heard any weird noises coming from his cell. He just had some bad indigestion. I mean, he did kind of give it away. (laughs) And no one did anything. Right. So just in case you guys hear me, don't try to stop me. Like, what was his deal? Right. That's so weird. Totally, right? Now, according to four alienists who had interviewed Thomas, 
he said that he had been haunted by ghostly visions of his brother Alexander for the last four years. Now, Alexander was the guy we talked about oh, right. earlier. He did a murder-suicide with his wife in a hotel room. Thomas claimed that this is why he moved around so much before ultimately settling in Los Angeles and marrying Grace because he kept being followed by the ghost of his brother. Right. Uh, I don't really think this is much of an excuse for why he murdered his wife. We clearly know by now it was he was after her money. Yeah. He said that the ghost of his brother would come to him before bed. The jury was then excused because... Yeah, it's done. It's done. It's over. And Patrick Grogan got up from his seat in the courtroom and smiled, remarking, quote, I guess it's square now. Well, it's all over, and now I can go to the beach. (laughs) Jesus. And that was the end of that. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. Wait, what is an alienist? Like a psychologist, right? I, I just never... I, I've heard the term, but I don't think I knew what it meant exactly. Like They're like the doctors who were like shrinking him. I see. To see what his mental state was. So it was like an early version. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what alienist is. I think I always thought it had like a um, spiritual oh, aspect. No. Alienist. And then there's that show with... Dakota Fanning, the alienist. I oh. want to see. It's a psychiatrist. Okay, so it's an it's an early version. Yeah, of that, I mean yeah. that's just you always hear that. I always at least read that term in the old newspaper. Well, because you're always in the twenties. <laughs> <laughs> you're like I see it all the time. What are you talking about, Schmitty? <laughs> the other weird thing, I I don't know when they stopped spelling it this way, but I think it was up until the fifties. Is that anytime you see the word clue? It's spelled C-L-E-W. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know when that changed or why that changed. I mean, I know why, because it should be C L U E. If someone was finally like, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> it just makes no sense. Clue. <laughs> Clue. <laughs> right, that's how it looks. Uh, so well, that's, that's Dr. Thomas Young. What a crap piece of shit yeah right <laughs> he sucks ass he like, really sucks there's nothing good about him at all no he wasn't even cute no just like a total like nothing yeah just like mooching off of others um damn was he much older than her i can't remember no okay they're around the same age i okay. think yeah well good one i can't wait to say some pics are there pics yeah there's some pics oh good yeah i'll post some and uh we'll see you all on friday bye bye 